The nail in the coffin! Between Christmas and New Year's, and that can only mean one thing. Bowl week has arrived in college football. This is the Nail in the Coffin, Cleveland Sports Podcast. I am Tom Valentino. He's Travis Uli. Trav, how you doing? Wonderful, Tino. Good evening. All right. We are recording on Monday night during a Cavs game, no less. Um, no spoilers, please. I've got the DVR rolling. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to offer up a big thank you to everybody who checked out last week's show. Um, it was our most downloaded episode to date, and we really enjoyed oh, nice. having Mark Bizarros on to talk Cavs, and I'm sure we're going to have him back on again, probably closer to the NBA playoffs. But speaking of playoffs, the college football playoff coming up on Thursday, New Year's Eve. So for this week's episode, we're going to go all college football. Uh, talking uh, New Year's Six Bowl games. And to help us out, we have a special guest, longtime sports editor of the News Herald, our former boss, Mark Podolsky. Poto, welcome to the show. How you doing, Tom? What's um, going on, Travis? No, not much, man. So, guys, we're going to run through just the New Year's Six Bowl games. Um, I don't really have a lot of interest in any of the other ones, and I don't think anybody listening does either. And... Uh, what better place to start than with the first one coming up on New Year's Eve? A little matinee special, Florida State and Houston playing in the Peach Bowl. Florida State, a seven-point favorite. Houston coached by former Ohio State offensive coordinator Tom Herman. Uh, how do we feel about this one? Well, uh, I think... let me just uh, – can I interject? If you haven't seen The Force Awakens – I think that might be a perfect time to go see The Force Awakens right around <laughs> noon on New Year's Eve and skip this one. But sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, Travis. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> um, no, I, I think <clears throat> what Tom Herman's done at Houston's been nothing short of him. It's been pretty damn impressive. Um, I mean, they were a bowl team last year. I think they won seven games last year. But you, you kind of always had the feeling that in terms of the like mid-majors, um, those – the other five, as they're called, those non-power five teams, you always kind of had the feeling that Houston was one of those teams that could potentially be like a sleeping giant. What with all that talent that there is in Texas in terms of high school football. And if you could get a guy like Tom Herman in there who can really score some points and get a good offense going, um, they could really shoot up pretty quickly. And they showed that this year. Um, their quarterback, Greg Ward, had, I want to say he went for like 2,500 passing and I think over a thousand rushing and then they had a their running back had almost a thousand yards too so they should have two thousand yard rushers by the end of the by the end of this game and their offense is just incredibly efficient um i think the biggest problem is just florida state's got more talent than houston's seen all year uh dalvin cook was a stud all season um so i think houston has the potential to maybe score some points but i don't see him slowing down florida state Poto, I think I read that uh, Everett Golson, the quarterback for Florida State, is going to be out for this game. He did not travel right. with the team. Is that right? Yeah, there was a death in yeah. the family, I think. Yeah. It, so you he know, stayed the, behind. Here's the thing with these kind of bowl games that are really tough to predict. I mean, I guess the biggest example or the best example, <clears throat> I think it was a few years ago where 
Baylor played Central Florida in the Fiesta, and they, you know they had Blake Bortles, and they were just coming off a, a really good year, Central Florida. But no one gave them any shot at at beating Baylor, and it always comes down to these bowl games: who wants to be there, who's motivated, and who's got something to prove. And you know, you look at Houston, and you could probably check off all those boxes in their favor. But like Travis yeah, said, s- like Travis said, you know, Florida State's got some great talent. I mean, if you have not seen Delvin Cook play, and this was definitely the year of the running back in college football. Oh, no, he might be the he might be the best of, of them all. I mean, really, when you look at it, I mean, you know, he just they just you know, Florida State they were a nice team, but they really didn't capture that that um, national landscape that they did when they had Jameis Winston. So you, you know. You really didn't see, I think, the greatness of him, but I checked him out a couple of games. He, he is a player. Yeah, he's and I think a real he'll be, Yeah, he'll be a stud in the NFL. And I mean, all these guys, Elliott, Derrick Henry, they're, they're probably all going to be great in the NFL, but who is going to be motivated in this game and who's going to want it more? You know, it, it's it, they're, they're in this oddball time slot where people are going to be prepping for New Year's Day. This might not be a game that's going to garner a lot of attention. You know, people are getting ready for New Year's Day and uh, New Year's Eve, I mean, and then they're ready for the 4 o'clock game. You know, this game is this game could be sneaky good. I mean, something tells me this is going to be, you know, 35 to 10 kind of game, but I don't know. It, I'm kind of hedging both sides, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston made this game. I wouldn't be surprised if they won this game. And let's get into one thing about Ohio State and their offense. I know we're kind of uh, looking ahead. I know we're going to be talking about the Fiesta Bowl. But did, that, did the Buckeye offense, did they miss that guy or what And Tom Herman this year? Oh, early, the in the season, early in the season, it was it was like night and day. You were wondering what the hell had happened. Um, part of that was the quarterback situation. But, yeah, I think if you look at, like, the Michigan State game specifically, even late in the season um, – they just didn't really seem to know what their identity was, even though every person watching knew what their identity was. Um, but yeah, you point out the games where sometimes one team just doesn't really care. You saw it with Utah versus Alabama a couple of years ago. You saw right. the Boise State Oklahoma yep. game a couple of years before that. You're, you're you're right pointing that out that like it seems like in these big bowl games, that one team that maybe most people don't think should be there seems to be the one that is the most excited to be there. Um, right. And that could be one of the things you see here. Did either of you guys think yeah. that Tom Herman might uh, jump for another job with all the openings at uh, the Power 5 schools? Did he, did he, he just sign a big deal? and wait for Texas. Did he sign a big deal, though, to stay with Houston, I thought? I he signed a one-year extension for three mil. Oh, I mean, okay. it's big money-wise, oh, but it's okay. not long. It's huge yeah. money for a coach at there's Houston. No, but... there's, yeah, there's no question he's... He's, that's going to be a short stay there. I mean, there's oh, rumors that Kevin Sumlin. I mean, well, you know, there's rumors that Kevin Sumlin might be on the hot seat at Texas A&M. I mean, got go from Houston to the SEC. That's the that's the exact that's the exact path Kevin Sumlin took. He went from Houston to A&M. So who knows what's going on there? You know, is A&M Sumlin's, really that great of a job though? It's an SEC school, but they're an SEC. Yeah, there's a lot of you schools know, that are SEC schools that doesn't necessarily make them a good job or a good fit. Yeah, I mean that—that's a good point. I mean, but is it better probably, than South Carolina? 
Oh yeah, I think. Yeah, that, I, I, I would I, say yeah, so. Yeah, so I, was, in, I don't know. You have so much in-state competition for recruits there because um, you're going head to head against Baylor, TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma, plus yeah. everyone else in the SEC. I think that's. I don't think that's as great a job as maybe people think think it is. And I think personally, I think kind of the uh, Kevin Sumlin was brought out from behind the curtain this year without Manziel there. Um, yeah, it's not much of a wizard, really. You know, and they were stuck in a funk before Manziel got there. He had two good years, and maybe they're at the point of where they really should be at, you know, a seven, eight win team. Or, I don't know. Yeah, like regressing to the mean. And I think, yeah, I don't, you, it's one of those things where you might have, if you can get one stud guy, you can maybe have a couple 10 win seasons in there, but I don't think you can consistently win there, even if you're the right coach. I just think it's not a good, a great situation for a guy. Yeah, I think there will be better opportunities for him. I think USC would be a better job than that, and he didn't even entertain that idea this year. Yeah, I mean Tom Herman, if he wins this game, you know he's going to be roll off the red oh, yeah. carpet for. But you know, let's let's don't forget about Houston. They lost to UConn. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, so we'll see what happens. But again, these games, half the battle is mental with these bowl games. Who wants to be there? Who's checked out? And we'll get. There's a big discussion, I think, to be had about motivation and who's got their foot halfway out the door already when it comes to the Fiesta Bowl. So. But go on, Tom. All right. you, think Houston, you think Houston in the points, Poto? Uh, Houston in well, seven? That's one way I'm leaning. I think over seven, the 54, too. It, it's seven right now? That's it? Yeah. Wow, I thought it'd be at least double digits. Uh, Boy, I tell you, I'd be that's a I'd stay away from that one. I don't know what I if it was about nine to ten, I'd probably take Houston. At seven, that seems a Sounds little like close call. What do you guys think? I, I'd be inclined to go with Houston just because if Florida State's them, yeah. scrambling with their quarterback situation now. Yeah, although that McGuire when he when he was in there, he he put some points on the board. Ever Golston's backup, so you know, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That's that's definitely gonna be that's. Now I'm kind of intrigued by this game. I think I actually might watch this game. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see. It's a college football game, man. You yeah. watch it no matter what the stakes were. Uh, New Year's Eve, exactly. So. <laughs> you know. All right. Uh, Sugar Bowl. Uh, we're going to fast forward ahead to uh, January 1st, the uh, the last game of the New Year's Six, uh, just in terms of our get-em-out-of-the-way games here. Sugar Bowl uh, down in New Orleans. Ole Miss, seven-point favorite against Oklahoma State. Um, speaking of teams that um, may or may not be motivated, Oklahoma State, um, right up until the last week or two of the regular season, was looking at a real good shot at the playoff, and uh, now they're here. Um, Ole Miss, meanwhile, uh, their defensive tackle, Robert Candice, uh, suspended for the game. I think he uh, was caught with uh, pot. So uh, what do we think? Yes, he also jumped off a two-story balcony of his, of his <laughs> yeah, apartment. Jumped out of a window. Of a hotel. That's not good. This for guy business. sounds perfect. Wait, this guy. This guy sounds perfect for the Browns. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jeez. Hey, wait. Save that for so, the hey, listen. Show. This game. Yeah. This game. This game. This matchup disappoints me. I understand why it was made. You know, Oklahoma State is ten and two. They're ranked sixteenth by the College Football Playoff Committee. But I want to see. Old Miss. I would love to see a rematch of TCU Old Miss because I think uh, Old Miss would have something to prove in this game. And I, I, I'm just a big fan of Trevon Boykin. I think TCU, you know, just a bad, bad luck for them. They got they had some injuries at the end of the year. Boykin goes goes out, and uh, you know, 
just they, they lost at the worst time. But I would, I would personally love love to see TCU Old Miss in this game. And with Old Miss, you know, guys, think about this one. If Old Miss had beaten Arkansas, I don't know if you saw this. This game went to like <laughs> we took, we, we've discussed it. Yeah, this this has been a great what if that that that, that, that lateral where the guy just kind of yeah. throws it up like you know is the last desperation of all time, and the guy runs it for you know twenty yards in a first time. Old Miss wins if they stop that play, they win that game, and they're in the SEC championship. game. They're probably playing. I who I don't know what they're 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 not in this game. I don't know where they're at. They, they probably, I don't know where, they probably still would be in this game. Or because, how would that work? Because if Ole Miss had beaten Arkansas, Ole Miss, Ole Miss would have had the tiebreaker. Because yeah, they Ole Miss would have been the SEC. They would have been the SEC. And what do you think, what do you think would have happened to Alabama in that, in that scenario? Uh, Alabama would probably be. Would they still be in the playoff? Like, oh, yeah, they'd probably be. I think they'd probably be in the Fiesta against Ohio State. What, you don't think Alabama would be would be in the playoff right now? Oh no, they wouldn't be in the playoff. No, they if no if, if, you, if they didn't make if, the championship game. No, if old if old Miss would have would have won the won the SEC with two losses, do you think they would have been in? The no, playoff? I think Stanford probably would have been ahead of them. Wow, that been almost really, like two touchdowns to Memphis. Don't I almost gosh, I almost wish that would have happened. That would have been such fun. That would have been <laughs> just to see the world burn. You're the joker. Yeah, just here. To, and. I think you know people clamoring for not to get off. I'm getting off tangent here, but but you know people talking about you know when you're going to make this a team. If that scenario would have played out, just like you said, Travis, I think that would have set the wheels in motion almost immediately. Well, they've said they've basically for, said that a team. Yeah, they've come out and basically said that while yeah people are already clamoring for that, the contract mm-hmm. is written till 2024, and they don't see anything changing before then. You know, speaking of things yeah. being set in stone, I want to do a drive-by on the Sugar Bowl right now because <laughs> <laughs> let, let me tell you something. It's stupid that this game is being played on New Year's Day in prime time. Um, I agree. The, That's the, the Rose Bowl matchup, unbelievable. I think it's less appealing than Florida State-Houston, personally. The, I, I agree. I the, the Rose Bowl agree. has the, the tradition of that 5 o'clock slot on New Year's Day, and they've been in that time slot forever. And if they wanted to stay there, I understand it. But the Sugar Bowl during the BCS era moved around to different nights. And now that we're in this new era, all of a sudden, because they sign a new deal with the Big 12 and the SEC and book this time slot on New Year's Day, they suddenly have declared themselves as immobile as the Rose Bowl and them that bowl and that bowl alone is solely responsible for the playoff semifinals not being on New Year's Day every year. Because if I that, think the Rose Bowl, that, Rose Bowl is responsible for that. No, <laughs> I think it's you could keep the Rose, the Rose Bowl exactly where it's at right now, and and let it keep the the time slot that it's had forever. And if you let the sugar, if the Sugar Bowl was willing to move into New Year's Eve, you could play one of the semifinals at noon on New Year's Day or one o'clock or whatever time the Fiesta Bowl is, and you could play the other one in prime time on New Year's Day and wrap okay, them right so, around the Rose Bowl. Okay, so what you're saying then is that it's okay for the Rose Bowl to do it, but the Sugar Bowl can't do it. But the Sugar Bowl has a, a, a precedent of moving to other days and other times, whereas the Rose Bowl's never done that. The, yeah, the, the yeah, Sugar Bowl was never spot, this yeah. immovable object until this new system started. Right, but the but 
we're going to have every two out of three years, these playoff games are going to be on New Year's Eve yep. because if the Rose Bowl isn't one of them, it's not going to be on New Year's Day. It's, it's which... the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Those two are tied together as the semifinals. And the whole thing is that one every three years, those two are the semis and they keep their time slots. And the years when they're not the semis, they still keep their time slots. See, I'm still going to blame the the Rose Bowl on this one because I have a feeling if you go to uh, if you go to the Sugar Bowl folks and you say, "Hey, uh, what do you think? We don't really care. We want to keep these all on New Year's Day, no matter what. So every year that you're not a playoff game, you'd be on New Year's Eve." They would have been fine with it. I have a feeling they went to the Rose Bowl people and they're like, "Absolutely not. If we're going to be a part of this, we're going to be on New Year's Day all the time, no matter what." And the fact that we're watching the playoff games on New Year's Eve is ridiculous. I think it's horrible. Yeah, I mean, there's an argument to be made. You know, the thing is with the Sugar Bowl, that they 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 signed that deal where it has to be Big 12 versus AC or SEC, which you know, look at the SEC this year. I mean, it just it kind of kind of you know flattens out right after Alabama. I mean, you know, LSU oh, yeah. fell apart. Florida couldn't get you know. There's not a single thousand. team in there that scares you. I think even including Alabama, I don't know that they're nearly as good as people are giving them credit for. Yeah, um, you know, they've definitely yeah. got talent, so you give them the sort of the benefit of the doubt there. But overall, the SEC this year, nowhere near what everyone wants to wants right. to pretend it is. So, so what happens is now you got this Sugar Bowl matchup, which is just you know, hey, it could it could end up being a great game, you know, but but it's paper, not two great teams regardless right, of the game turns this, out. This looks like an Outback Bowl matchup or a, yeah. Whatever is you know, Capital One Bowl, yeah, whatever Bowl or something, yeah, yeah, or a Holiday Bowl kind of matchup. Not a, a marquee game. This isn't like one of said, the premier games of bowl season. Like Tebow, like you were saying, eight p.m. on. I mean, come on, that's. Yeah, I'm gonna go to you know. I, I'm, I, I you know who knows. I, I'll watch this one, but it's like, I'm not. I'm right, not but whole, if we would watch any decent bowl yeah. game. At eight o'clock on New Year's Day. Yeah, this uh, this matchup has outkicked its coverage in terms of the time <laughs> slot that it got. I think. Yeah. But they, in, terms of, in terms of the game, I'm t- I personally I'm, I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Their offense was uh, seventh in the country in passing, and Ol- or uh, Ole Miss's secondary is garbage. They're missing their best pass rusher now. I see Oklahoma State scoring a ton of points. Ole Miss will probably score some too, but I think Oklahoma State's going to score more. Tebow, what do you guys think of the actual game? Seven. What did you seven? Ole Miss is minus seven. Yeah, I'll take Ole Miss. I like Chad Kelly. I think he's going to be a player. I mean, I'm not the way uh, way Oklahoma State finished the year. You know, that's a big thing too in terms of carrying that momentum into the bowl preparation and into the game. I mean, they just they just got blasted in a couple of those games where they had. You know, everybody was saying, Oklahoma State, look at that schedule. Everything's setting up perfect for them. And, you know, when you get – you know, in college football, you get that home field advantage. That's that's like a – that's gold right there. And they just really, you know, what the bed. So, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not counting on them. So. All right. Um, I, I'm, we spent way too much time on these first two games. I know. We're in 20 well, minutes half, in. And these are, these are the get-them-out-of-the-way games. <laughs> I know. All right, let's talk right, let's about one. That, yeah, let's talk about one people are actually going to be interested in. Uh, Rose Bowl, Stanford, Iowa. Stanford is favored by six. Um, the the uh, interesting thing about this uh, that I came up with um, 
Stanford was uh, beaten this year by Northwestern, and Northwestern was routed by Iowa, and yet Iowa's getting six points in this game. Um, first off, we are open to sponsors, so let's show the sponsors the uh, respect they deserve. It's the Battle Frog or Battle Toad or whatever the hell it is, Rose Bowl. No, 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 no. no. The, 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 the Battle Bowl. That, that's the oh, Fiesta is that the Bowl. Fiesta Bowl? Yes. Does Rose Bowl not have a sponsor now? Uh, let me look that it up. It was it Vizio be, uh, for a while. I yeah, thought. Vizio, the a TV company. I don't know what it is now. I agree. Wow. It should, that that one just, should not have a have a that's sponsor. A fantastic sponsor, but um, regardless, regarding the game, what Stanford? What did you have in Tino? Six and a half, six, six. And uh, okay. this year's Rose Bowl game is presented by Northwestern Mutual. That's crazy because I haven't seen God that running him. on the ticker with every single like fact that ESPN shows about it. I'm sure there are some gentlemen in Pasadena in bright red sport coats who uh, are making sure that every last uh, T is crossed and I is dotted in terms of how ESPN is promoting this game. Of course. Um, In terms of the game, uh, I think it'll be exciting to see. I haven't really seen uh, McCaffrey play that much. I've seen him in a couple of their big games. Um, Stud. And he seems like just a kid that can do everything. Um, his dad was what the the receiver for the Broncos, right? Ed McCaffrey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sort of random, but um, no, I mean he seems like a guy. I feel like those people are like, oh, he had the most like total yards or whatever. With kick return yards, don't really count for that. So that kind of padded that a little bit. They're like, oh, he broke Barry Sanders' record. Let's not act like he's Barry Sanders. Um, <laughs> but, Man, but, you're. T- you're tough on this kid. Man. I mean, he, he, yeah. he had a hell of a season. And truthfully, he I, I personally think he probably should have won the Heisman. Um, I think he probably deserved it. You you think if – it's funny to think if they hadn't scheduled that game against Northwestern and had padded their schedule a little bit, who knows what they're doing now. Right. Um, they, they I think they may have had a, a look at passing Michigan State potentially um, to get into the playoff um, or even Oklahoma. Who knows? Yeah, I, I um, think I think the opponent isn't as isn't as troublesome as the time of that game. That game started at eleven o'clock Chicago time, which really was about eight o'clock, nine o'clock, nine o'clock Stanford time. Yeah, I mean, so you know, first game. Yeah, of the but year, I mean, the fact that they lost, across. I don't think it matters. I mean, regardless of of <coughs> whether it was the time zone they were in or who they were playing. You got to think if they had scheduled someone who, you know, I mean, yeah, oh, I agree with that. And they were a decent team this year. And you have to think if they didn't have that second loss on their record, they'd have a much more compelling case at the end of the year, probably to get ahead of Oklahoma, especially, which we saw last year, having that 13th game that the Big 12 have. And they wouldn't have been dinged for their non conference schedule with Notre Dame on it. You know, this this is a discussion we could spend an entire show on the future of the college football playoff and the way the committee values these these games they play and you know we saw Baylor just get you know hammered for their you know joke of a non-conference schedule and to me personally I'm always I'm always I will never you know I, I to me if I was on that committee I would have given serious I mean serious consideration of putting Stanford in there because I think they're a legit team I think they're I think that te- they're a team that could win the national championship uh, you know Oklahoma you know, I mean, Ooh, was anyone playing as well as Oklahoma at the end of the season, though? 
with what Oklahoma did those last three weeks, well, I that mean, would have sent a pretty I, easy I, I, lesson. I think, you know, to me, the Big 12, I think uh, Oklahoma got a big break. I mean, look at all the guys, you know, Baylor's, they lose, they lose their starting running back. They lose their starting quarterback. They're on their backup. They had to play their third string guy. Uh, Boykin goes out. I mean, it everything kind of fell perfect for Oklahoma. I, I don't know how great the Big Twelve ended up being this year. And you know, injuries are part of the game, but it's also reality. When you're taking all these great players off these great teams, they're not so great anymore. So I mean, I'm I'll, I, Oklahoma. They're playing great, and they. I I think I actually picked them to beat Clemson. I like Baker Mayfield. But I'm just saying, you know, if you compare resumes, Pac-12 was pretty pretty darn good this year. Yeah, but I think you're always going to – I think it's probably unavoidable that that one lost – if resumes are similar, even remotely similar, that one lost team is going to get ahead of the two-loss team. No, and absolutely. But I'm just saying I would have given – I'm not sure if I would have taken – or, or uh, Stanford over Oklahoma, but you know a perfect example is you know as you know fortunate as Oklahoma got, Stanford got a little unlucky. I mean, look what happened to Oregon when they lost Vernon Adams. They they go and lose three straight, and they just look atrocious. They get him back, and they go to Stanford and they win that game. I mean that that game might that game probably kept Stanford out of the, out of the playoff. You know, that was oh yeah, great, if Stanford yeah, won that game, no question. Yeah, that was a great game. I mean, Stanford had a chance to tie it. With the two if they went undefeated in the Pac-12, yeah, I mean, right. I don't know. I don't know if there's a real juggernaut team in the Pac-12, but overall, the Pac team's resume and I think uh, like yeah. national view was pretty strong. That they're a pretty deep conference, a lot of pretty good teams there. Even yeah. if there wasn't like an elite team, there was a lot of good teams there. So yeah, going undefeated in, in the Pac-12, I think probably would have trumped what Oklahoma did in the Big 12. Potter, right. you, you mentioned uh, Oregon, and I think they are playing TCU in the Alamo Bowl on January 2nd. Isn't that right? Sounds good to me. I think I'd like that better than the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, I I was going to say, that's a sneaky good bowl game. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's an argument to me, you know, you know, Vernon Adams, if he had played that whole season healthy, who knows? They might have gone 11-1 or 12-1 and won the Pac-12. I mean, you know, I I, I like them. That's a good bowl game. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Absolutely. What do we think of Iowa? They kind of uh, oh, got the benefit of playing in the uh, lesser division in the Big Ten. Um, I didn't think that they were going to be able to stack up with Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game, and that ended up turning into a, a, a great game. Um, I will say this. I didn't know his name before this year, but there were times when I wasn't – like it seemed like every week I was sitting around watching one game while the Iowa game was on, and I would glance over – and the running back, Jordan Canzari, would be making some big play. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It seemed like every week he did something, and I was just like, oh, that kid just broke off a 60-yard run. Um, so I think he's I think he's probably one of the more underrated players in the country just because they don't pay a ton of attention to Iowa's offense, but he's a pretty damn good player. Um, overall, though, I think Stanford's probably, probably a pretty hefty notch above Iowa talent-wise. I, I would agree with that, but again, that team, you know, we talk about, you know, you don't want to lose late because that kind of stifles your own momentum going into preparations and to your bowl game. But I think a couple of factors, this team's hungry. 
I think this team wants to prove that they're among the nation's elite. And I'm telling you right now, there is going to be a sea of black and yellow in that stadium. I, I, the you one think thing I'll number Stanford. I don't know about that. But I I'm, do because I, I don't know. You know, wouldn't surprise I, me. I don't. Know. I know I'm, Iowa travels, and you know, they haven't been to the Rose Bowl since the 1990 season. And, and this is Stanford's like third trip in four years. Right. And I'm telling you, man, I went to the, I, you know, I had a bucket list item. I, I wanted to see Ohio State play in the Rose Bowl, and I did it when they played Oregon in, in 2010. And I'm telling you right now, man, like you, to be in that, in that city on that day, in that stadium, when you got the F6, F-16s doing the flyby after, I mean, you get chills. I mean, you would. I mean, at, when you're in that stadium at that time, you're like, there's no other place I want to be than, you know, Marv Levy, right here then, right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I'm, it's just, I, you know, and for, when you're Iowa, you want to play with, you don't want to play with emotion. You want to play with passion because if you get too hyped up, you know, that can, it can get away from you. So I think Iowa's got to be wary of the emotion of that game in that moment where Stanford, like you said, Travis, they've been there. You know, they've been there. This is kind of old hat for them, especially a guy like Kevin Hogan. So, is this yeah, Kevin Hogan's like ninth year at Stanford? I feel like I he's know. been there forever. He's the Billy McCaffrey of college football. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I think is that I would is, not be I, surprised. I personally think that's the difference in the. Game. I would take I take Iowa in the points. I don't know if they'll win the game because I think Stanford, like you said, is better. And they're I think they're more battle tested, which is maybe even is more important. I mean, they've been through some wars. In some of our games this year, whereas Iowa, look, I, let's let's I mean let's be, let's talk reality. When you don't play Ohio State, you don't play Michigan State or Michigan in the Big Ten. You it's know, not that impressive, right? It's, I mean, it's not so, it's not it's not that impressive a twelve and zero. It's still twelve and zero, but yeah. Granted, they played Michigan State, and but I'm talking about in the regular season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they and all they can do is play what the computer spits out to them. You know, the Big Ten. So you know, you can't really fault them but you know when you want to talk reality hey listen i love hayden fry i think he's a very under, underrated coach that's a tough area to recruit because there's not a lot of recruits out there and i have a lot of friends of mine who dog on him and it's like that, that is not to me that's not a top 20 program well you know hayden I mean? fry hasn't coached there in about 20 years so yeah kirk ferentz <laughs> or, or or hayden fry did, did i say hayden fry or kirk you did <laughs> Oh my God! I met Kirk Ferentz. Sorry about that. Hayden Fry had a hell of a run, though. He did. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> you know, Kirk Ferentz. I think if they could go every two to three or four years, if they can put together a, a, a year, a season like this, what she traditionally does, I think that keeps people happy. Okay. People but... complain. People complain that he makes a little too much money. I think he makes about four to five million a year for what he produces, but he makes a ton in his last five yeah. seasons. He went eight and five, seven and six, four and eight, yeah. eight and five, seven and six. Right. No, no, you're right. And like it's I like said, he'll have one good year, then five clunkers. And then right. I mean, so but clunkers. the buyout number on his contract has huge. been like the most publicized, uh, financial, um, statistic, uh, in all of college sports, I think for for a while. So this right. might get the wolves off his back for a little while. He he needed this this good year. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that game. I, I just there's something magical about the Rose Bowl that it's just it, it's just it can't be 
I mean, these playoff games are going to be fantastic, but to me, there's just something about playing in that, in that setting on that time of day. It's like a historical moment every year. Cause it happens at the same time at the same place every year. And it's just, I just, and I'm always on my couch for the start of that game, no matter what. I just love it. And that is why I am okay with that game maintaining its time slot on New Year's Day every single year and telling the Sugar Bowl to pack its bags and get ready to move around as needed. There you go. Tell I, them, I just, <laughs> I, I, I can't stand it. I hate the fact that like there's going to be a game that ends probably right around the time the ball is dropping on New Year's Eve, like an incredibly meaningful game. Yeah. Um, like if Ohio State was playing, it 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 would be fine. I'm I'm lucky. I have myself a lovely lady who loves the Buckeyes almost as much as I do. And if I said, "Hey, we're staying home to watch this game, or we're going somewhere where there's sound for the game," that's fine. Now, if I tell her, "Hey, uh, I really want to watch this this uh, game that involves two teams that I have zero actual rooting interest in, I just really want to watch the game," um, she's gonna say, "Hey, how about you put football on the back burner for for a minute?" See, we could have because really you don't care that much about this game. You just want to watch a game. We could have had and both. We we you could have, have had uh, battles. We well, we could have had the Orange Bowl at high noon on New Year's Day, and the Rose Bowl at five o'clock, and then the Cotton Bowl in prime time, and just move uh, the Sugar Bowl over. But well, I wonder why. Do you think there was any consideration to going twelve and like four thirty for these playoff games and having a game? At prime time, that didn't mean it as much, or you know, I didn't mean anything really. For the life of me, I can't explain why they want to start a game at eight o'clock. Like, I don't know what time that uh, that Ohio State Alabama game ended last year, but it was damn near midnight. Yeah, and I don't know why in the world you would want a game doing that on New Year's Eve. Oh, and well, make no mistake, that game will not actually kick off at eight o'clock oh, on the nose. No question. No. Probably you're probably closer to eight thirty, and. I think they're just not doing themselves any favors because you're going to lose a lot of those those casual fans who, like I said, they kind of have to they got to throw a bone to their their significant others here. What would you, what do you think? How, how do you think the ratings would be if you had orange at noon, um, sugar? You know, I'm talking playoff games at four, and then Ohio, oh, Ohio so you're, you're saying go with the Still old. On New Year's uh, Eve. The, the WWF uh, Saturday night's main event formula of <laughs> stacking the card in the first uh, 40 minutes or so. And well, you know, I'm just wondering, you guys are talking about the if they're worried about ratings. And if what if you went Clemson, Oklahoma at noon, this is New Year's Eve, Ohio, um, Alabama, Michigan State at four. And then what if you had put Ohio State and Notre Dame in an eight o'clock slot? Uh, I mean, I think, would that work? I think, I think you probably lose a rate. I think you're going to lose ratings in that night game, no matter what. Um, I think it would work real well for the playoff games, because um, it's something guys can do while they're while their women are getting ready or whatever the case is. See, I, I disagree with you, Travis. I still think that's going to have a big number on an eight o'clock game. I, I really I, do. I think I think you'll be. It, I think the ratings won't necessarily tell the whole story on that, though. It'll probably be on a lot of TVs, but I think like if if I went to the interest, a, you mean? Yeah, I think overall interest just isn't going to be that going to be as big as it as it would be otherwise. If you look at New Year's Day, people have nothing to do. Yeah. They went out and partied the night before. They're sitting around, recovering, relaxing, watching football. 
that's the way it should be. New Year's Eve, you're going to have a lot of people who, like I said, if you don't have one of the two teams in it, you don't, you're not going to make a concerted effort to watch that game. Like if I went to a friend's house and whoever is playing, I might check the score, but I'm not going to park in front of a TV for four hours and watch it. I think the biggest problem they have is that this, they tout this New Year New Year's Six thing, and you logistically can't have three games. You can't have four games in one day if you're, unless you stack two on top of each other. So you have to do it this way. You know, I think they. I don't know why you couldn't just have if if they're 100 percent married to the idea of the Rose Bowl being on New Year's Day, like Tino's kind of said, why would you not have the first playoff game before the Rose Bowl and the second game after it? Because the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> who cares? That's that's. Who cares about the Sugar Bowl? Who, yeah. Who's on first? That's exactly what I've been arguing the whole time. I know, <laughs> and I agree with you. T- I agree with you on that, but, <laughs> but but I don't understand how they, how whoever negotiated this said, yeah, we're going to give this game that really doesn't have any significance. We're going to let you guys control that because, like we've already said, you're stuck with two dogs this year. What do yeah. you care what time slot you're in? Yeah. If, it, if I don't know if that Sugar Bowl starts at eight o'clock, I can't guarantee that I'll park in front of the TV and watch it. And I love watching college football games, even the ones that include teams that I don't care about. Yeah, it's, but it's a tough it, call. It's, it's a tough predicament, really. All right. They then. said they want to like change the paradigm in New Year's Eve. I just don't see that happening. I think they're over overestimating the casual fan i i wish you a lot of luck if that's your goal um i think that's very ambitious and yeah. um it'll be well, really you know, interesting to watch i think that the numbers tv wise and the ratings for that late game on new year's eve um i think that the thing that's going to be really interesting to see is how they go hour by hour if that's a good game and uh, whether people are going to stick with it all the way up to midnight or if it turns into a route one way or the other, if you start seeing a bunch of numbers dropping off and the thing turns into a ratings catastrophe, let's. Uh, so, let, let's well, they got a, they have a problem on their hand if that's the case. Then, because like I was saying, logistically these these six games can't work without having one of these games up against New Year's Eve. Yeah, you know I mean, mean, this is this is the lot they've cast, and it's yeah. set for the next decade or so. All right, you know, let's actually, since we've been kind of touching on the playoffs so much, let's jump right into that now. Uh, the early playoff game, 4 o'clock on New Year's Eve, Orange Bowl, Oklahoma, number four seed against number one seed undefeated Clemson. Even though they're the fourth seed, um, Clemson, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma is giving three and a half points uh, in this oh, matchup. Wow. I saw really? it at one and a half. I didn't know it got up that high. Yeah. Well, let me wow. let me look at my. Uh... See, I'm not. I'm not a betting man. I, I, this is the first time I, I I've even been looked at. I've, I've been looking, you know, at other like matchups, but the, the betting line. I I'm really. That's that's stunning to me. Yeah, I'm it seeing may have, it may have blown favorite? up since it first came out. Well, Oklahoma, I, I, I've got favored. Yeah, I'm looking at every book here. Oklahoma is favored by between three and a half and four points. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Wow. I, I, I think mean, a lot of people are are seeing um, people are treating Clemson. I think a lot like they treated Florida State last year. Just not really that impressed with how they went undefeated. Um, yeah. Now. Surprisingly, Florida State was, uh, I mean, reigning national champ last year. 
and had a better resume overall, um, better than what Clemson has done this year. But I don't know. I, I haven't been sold on Clemson all year. And to me, even, I mean, what's their most impressive win? Notre Dame, probably. Notre Dame or Florida State. Florida State and maybe, I guess maybe North Carolina, depending on how much people actually think of North Carolina now. But, um, no, I just personally think Oklahoma's more talented. They're, and right now they're playing as well as anybody. They're probably well, getting that Ohio State benefit of the doubt that, hey, if you come in playing really well, it doesn't really matter who you're playing. Yeah. To me, this game comes down to the quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson. And, you know, who, who do you like better? I like Mayfield a lot, personally. Yeah, Mayfield, they're both pretty good. It's pretty much, to me, it's like a pick like in terms of those two guys. I mean, they they do a lot of different things. They're they're so valuable. I mean, obviously, the quarterbacks for all football teams are valuable. But uh, I think Watson's a little underrated there, Travis. I, I really do. But I think Mayfield's good. I'm picking Oklahoma anyway, though. I mean, I but I'm I'm just I'm really just shocked that they're they're the favorite in this game. Is he is he the most underrated uh, Heisman finalist in recent memory? Uh, Watson. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to be overrated when or underrated when you're in New York in December. That, that's true. That's true. I don't I, know if I, I, I I'm underrated. I think I, maybe he's a little underappreciated, but he seems but to get credit. I, I think credit he's better than people concerns. expect. I mean, I think I think people think he's really good. I was I was kind of surprised he got that much Heisman buzz. Um, I mean, I know they're undefeated. I know they're the number one. Yeah, team if in the, yeah, if you're quarterback on an undefeated team, you you're always going to get that buzz. You know, and I think I think Elliot got a little a little snub, but I he mean, he got snubbed for sure. But, but you know, it's hard to that that like that, you said, uh, you're the running back, and everyone else had. Well, that that Michigan State fiasco, post game fiasco, I think just turned everybody off, and I think they just yeah. kind of threw him to the side. But uh, I think Watson is is very very good. I think he throws a fantastic deep ball, and I think they like you know they like to go deep. I think this game is going to be a shootout. Watch, it'll be like 17 to 12 or something. But I, I really do think this game is going to be a shootout. Um, you know, Oklahoma or uh, Clemson, they play well down in the, the Orange Bowl. I don't know. I, I I like this. I really like this game. I like Oklahoma by the smallest of margins, though. I would say like, you know, in that 38 to 34 kind of range. File this one away. These two teams... Um, played each other in their bowl game last year. They Oof. met, they met in, the, in the Russell Athletic rushed. Bowl last year. Clemson beat Oklahoma 40-6. to six. Yep. But neither of the quarterbacks playing this year played in that game. So, Was Watson hurt? Was uh, it Taj Boyd still? Yeah. No, I mean, Bo- Boyd was – he's been out of there for a couple of years. Hmm. I don't remember yeah. the game specifically. Yeah, thirteen was was uh, was Boyd's last year. I'm I'm almost positive. That's uh, so I think Watson was the yeah, man in that game. Right. Right. Yeah, because he yeah his game against Ohio State was his yeah. was his last one. I don't yeah I don't remember the game specifically, but um yeah I mean it's just I think that's one of the things Oklahoma was much better than they than they played in that game. Clemson I mean obviously they went to town in that game, so it doesn't really uh, it's hard to really take too much from that. Um, just because you know they're not that much better than Oklahoma, especially this year. I, I tell you what's interesting about this game and the way they 
set the game, the, t- the times of the games up. Normally, you would put that number one team in that prime time spot, but we see Alabama getting that that eight o'clock start, and you know the Big Ten, you know who know you know the Big Ten was a pretty good series, but the Big Ten has that reach nationally that I don't think the ACC has in football. It might have it in basketball. So, uh, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe all Clemson feels a little bit of a slight there. I don't know. I'm just kind of. If there's if there's one thing that. the networks love, it's a Big Ten versus SEC bowl oh, game. So when absolutely. you when you have that matchup going on and you have Alabama involved, I'd have been floored if that game wasn't um, the primetime game. By the way, the Clemson quarterback last year was Cole Stout. I don't even. Oh, remember that's him. right. I think he. I think he started probably a majority of the season for them last year. Yeah, well, he I had a very nice Watson game. I thought Watson was their starter for most of the year. Did he get hurt or was No, Cole Stout. I think he was a senior. I think he's from Columbus, actually. Oh, my God. I want to say he played at one of the Dublins. Kaufman, maybe? I think um, you're right. But he uh, – no, I remember he started the season, and then they played Watson for a little bit, and then I think put Stout back in. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of crazy hey. to think about. Uh, Travis, who are you picking in this game? I'm taking Oklahoma. I'm taking Oklahoma to win it all. Wow. I just think they look like a team right now that's playing as good as anyone. Um, I am not a believer in Oklahoma, so I'm going with Clemson. There you go. Wow. I think Clemson's going to be feeling a little bit miffed that uh, they were the only team to go undefeated and take the number one seed, and they still are marked as an underdog for this game. Um, I like uh, Watson, their quarterback, and I like Clemson. I personally, yeah, I think this game ends up looking a lot like Florida State, Oregon looked last year. Okay. Fifty-nine to twenty. Um, I don't know about that big, about that big, but I think Oklahoma looks like the better team start to finish. Wow. I think it's pretty convincing. I like that. Good pick. All right, late game. Uh, Alabama, Michigan State, Bama favored by ten. That's too many. <laughs> this 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 game is going to be uh, very interesting. I think it's the power of Alabama's offensive line versus that great defensive front of Michigan State. You know, um, Alabama's quarterback. Whew, yeah, that guy. He is wild. Michigan State's going to make him throw, and I think and that's, that's, that, for that's trouble. That, yeah, that's a problem. If 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 Henry, if Henry cannot get his footing going in that game, you know, that you, you do not want the hands or the ball in his hand. His name escapes me. Um, Derek Henry. No, the quarterback from Alabama. Um, shit. I'm drawing a blank too. Um, why, why are we, why are we not? Is it Coker still? Is he starting? Jay Coker. Jay Coker. Jay there Coker. You go. Okay. That's how much he inspires the, 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 the <laughs> landscape of college football these days. Right. You know, that, you know, and, you know, remember week two, the old Miss game that Alabama lost, they did not even start him in that game. I think they started a true freshman in that game. Yeah, I mean, they've had zero, they've had zero faith in him since. Yeah, since they, he, that game just blew up in their face and, you know, didn't just, they just went straight to Derrick Henry and, and that, you know, they rode that, that guy all the way to, the, you know, the SEC championship 
Um, Connor Cook, I tell you what, I was dead wrong about this kid. I, and you guys might not like him. I like him a lot. I remember when they played Ohio State two years ago in the Big Ten championship game, I thought this is going to be easy pickings for Ohio State, even though they were struggling on defense. Oh, and he God, made – Give the goddamn ball to Carlos Hyde. I know, I know, but that guy made big play after big play, and he might have been a punk to Archie Griffin after that Iowa game. But that yeah, kid, he's tough can, though. He's that tough. Kid, no yeah, question. that kid can play, and and you know who knows how what percentage he was at with that bum shoulder in that Iowa game. I mean, he didn't throw it a ton in that game, but he, uh, he came out and said this week that his shoulder is a hundred percent. Now, whether you believe that or not is your call, but yeah. he is saying he feels great. Yeah, he also said he was going to play against Ohio State too. So, um, remember, remember that? Thing? I'm, I'm yeah. definitely playing. Definitely. Yeah. Playing. But uh, um, why you got to bring that game up? Give the goddamn ball to Zeke Elliott. I know, I know, I know. But you know, the, the, the thing with this game is Nick Saban going to lose the Big Ten two years in a row in the biggest game of the year. I don't know. I gonna, I personally think so. I say no. I think some of the shines off of Alabama. I say they find th- a way to win. I think Alabama is so reliant on the run, and I think Michigan. I think now Michigan State. I think they have the. Uh, I think they have the guys to step up and slow down the run mm-hmm. and force Alabama to throw it some. Now, if that's enough, who knows? You but, know, we started off this podcast talking a lot about the SEC and how we were unimpressed with a lot of their teams after Alabama. I think their reputation might be, um, I think they are living off their, their past reputation a little bit at like the whole conferences. Um, I, I don't think they they have any business being a 10 point favorite over Michigan state here. I, I agree with that one. Completely. Yeah. I just, I just don't think they can score. I don't think they can score enough to really be a 10 point favorite against much of anyone in the top. Eight to ten. Yeah, I I'll tell you I like Michigan State to win this game outright. That Michigan State is my pick to win the whole thing. Okay. Really? Yeah. Big Ten goes two for two. I would like to see that. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm a Dino fan. I know a lot of Ohio State fans don't like him, but hey, I gotta ask you guys a question. This is totally totally off subject. But if you're Jimmy Haslam and you fire Mike Pettin, are you calling Mark D'Antonio's agent and saying? Would he be? Would you be interested in coaching in the NFL? Would you do that? I mean, would you make that call? You can make the call to do your due diligence. I don't think, I don't think that would be a great hire, and I don't think it would be a great move for D'Antonio. I don't think it's a good fit for either one personally. I think D'Antonio has an amazing situation there. Um, yeah, I think it's odd. Sure. I think he's got the acumen. His his coaching style fits to what the NFL does. I think the way I think I think the way that college coaches treat players versus how NFL coaches treat them is would be too much of a change for him. I think. Yeah. I'm just wondering, sometimes the guy, no, yeah, he's definitely, it's it's weird because you would think with how much success he's had at a place like Michigan state, you would think he would get a little more, he would get some of that Kirk Ferentz buzz that he got several years ago in terms of, is this a guy that, that should jump to the league? Yeah. That was Um, what I was going to say. You you hear all these college coaches that are rumored for the NFL, even a guy like Jim Mora from UCLA, who has already flamed out in the NFL before, he's even getting some buzz as a guy that could be taking an NFL opening this year. You never hear 
uh, Dino over at uh, Michigan State under consideration no. for that. But I'm just thinking sometimes these guys you have no idea. Like, you don't think NFL with this guy. I mean, maybe in the back of his mind that's something that has been a dream or he's always thought about. And to me, I don't think it's a bad thing to maybe just – Throw I, don't think it'd be a, I don't think it would be a terrible move, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does the due diligence. You've seen, um, like, Gilbert seems to do that every year with Izzo um, right. for the Cavs. So, I mean, maybe he might put the feeler out, but I think if if you're looking at a college coach in Michigan to coach the Browns, it's probably not that one. I'll just tell you, when I, when I and TiVo, this goes a lot towards your pick of Michigan State. When I watch this guy coach in big games, he is – I don't know what – the buttons he pushes are just like – he just – every button he pushes – He knows his team. The right one. It's unbelievable. Like, he, he, I, I don't He'll know. Call a weird trick play at just the yeah. right time. Yeah, I mean, he definitely does. Look at their – his record, I think, in top five opponents. I think it's like six and one in his last seven. That's incredible. I mean, you, that's unheard of. Yep. Football. I mean <laughs> – I, I don't. This guy, he he looks like he's got something stuck up his butt half the time. But I tell you what, that guy can coach, yep. and I wouldn't complain if the Browns were, were you know trying to get him. They could but, definitely do a lot worse. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. Poto, I, I think I tweeted to you about a month ago. Do we? Uh, if you're the Browns, do you go for the package deal with yeah. uh, D'Antonio and Connor Cook? Why not? You know what I mean? Connor Cook, you might be able to snag him in the second round now. Hey. Which going you never back, thought of. Going back to the Rose Bowl, watch out for Kevin Hogan. You know, there's been he's starting to get a little steam, a little buzz for the NFL. And and you know, so let's say you're the Browns and you get that first pick, you're going Bosa, number one, and you know either you, maybe maybe Connor Cook, Kevin Hogan's available for you in the second round. I think That's they're not, probably going to lean that way. I, th- I I'm I know we're getting off in a draft again, but I think you're likely to see them wait until early second to get a quarterback um, and go with Bosa just because I think the gap between like Paxton Lynch and Jared Goff and a guy like Connor Cook and Hogan isn't really that big. Man, I'm just telling you, I, I'm taking Connor Cook a million times out of a million over a guy like Jared Goff. I'm sorry. But when I see this kid play in big games like Connor Cook, to, to me there's something about playing in the biggest games with the biggest pressure – and it's not always about how far you can throw a, you know, twenty-five yard out, or you know, what's your deep ball looking like, or how tall you are. That kid's a winner. I'm not saying he's going to be a great pro. He kind of looks like a Kirk Cousins type to me, like a guy that just good enough, but in the right situation, quote unquote, right situation. Cleveland Browns. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what's sad about that when you think about that. But you know. But anyway, getting back to the game itself, I still do like Alabama. I still think they, that team, you talk about motivation, they've got something to prove after what happened to them against Ohio State last year. I'm sure that devastated that program, and I'm sure they want to fight like hell to, to get back, to try to, you know, they got back. Look, they're the only one of the four teams that were in the playoff last year that's back. So I'm so, actually of the opposite mindset. I think, they're, I think they've probably um, – probably read their own headlines a little too much and okay. probably think and are probably of the mindset that that game was a fluke last year and that it couldn't happen again. 
I don't Lala. think they I don't think they have the focus and the hunger that those Saban teams had three, four, five years ago. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think Saban he pushes buttons pretty good too. I think he's green that in them that, you know you know, the motivation of, hey, let's let's make let's write that wrong from last year and I think you've they seen think it. They... I think if you look back in college football history, though, every time there's that there's that team that's a dynasty and make no mistake, Alabama absolutely was one. Um, after a few years, they always sort of get to the point where the guys that come in are talented but don't have the hunger and the the need to win like the guys that came before them. The dynasty's I, over before yep. we, uh, for a few years before anybody catches on. Exactly. And I think, personally, I think that's where Alabama is right now. Wow. And we'll see. That's, this, is, that's just, this one is really interesting. Uh, you know, Michigan State, uh, they're, they've been kind of banged up all year. And they, they lost their, uh, I think, Jake Conklin. They, they were right tackle. I'm not sure if he's going to be back in this game or not. But that's going to be, if they if he's not playing, that's going to be a big thing for them to overcome. They, they lost their middle linebacker before the start of the season. So, They've had a lot of injuries to contend with, so uh, we'll see if they can heal up some of those important situ- you know, positions. But uh, tell you what, that's that's going to be a great game, I think. Great game. That I ten point we can all, spread. We can all is, agree that nine and a half is way too many, right? That 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 spread is ridiculous. But you know, hey, look, I think that game, you know, is going to be great with matching those two lines. But can this guy Coker make plays? Which you know, Travis, you were saying that if they shut down Henry, can this guy make plays? And if if he can make plays, it'd be a long night for Alabama. I I, I think Henry's going to be able to run the ball though. Yeah, I think we'll uh, find out. Yeah, let's see yeah. if Bama learn, learns anything from what they did last year because I think if they'd have run the ball more against Ohio State, that would have been a very different game. Yep. But uh, hey, we'll take it. Speaking of Ohio State, uh, last bowl that we're going to hit here. Um, Buckeyes, Fighting Irish, Fiesta Bowl for all the Battle Frogs. Uh, Buckeyes are a six. And By a the half. way, do you know what the battle what Battle Frog is? The sponsor? Yes, it's amazing. It's like this. Uh, I was sitting in a bar during a Cavs game last year, and I was watching it. It's like these crazy obstacle like, courses. Obstacle yeah. courses. Yeah, it was funny because we were watching it, and they had this like sixteen team bracket, and number one was Army. I was like, well, who the hell is going to beat Army? I think Michigan ended up in, like, the Final Four or something. It was like, yeah, let's let's match these people who literally do this every day against, like, some nerds from the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, I think Army beat them by, like, ten minutes or something insane. I wanna, where the heck does Battlefront get all this money to be a sponsor for one of these major bowl games? I'm pretty sure ESPN owns it. Oh, is that right? Okay, well, that I makes believe sense so. then. Okay. All right, but sorry anyways, about that, Tivo, for interrupting. <laughs> I just had to throw out there what Battlefrog was all about. I was going to say, I know what Battlefrog is because I read your column this week. So There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the Buckeyes, six and a half point favorites. And these teams last met in the Fiesta Bowl um, 10 years ago. And yep. that was a big Ohio State win uh, over Brady Quinn in the Irish. Um and what do we uh, what do we think in this go around? Go ahead, Travis. I think Ohio State's just. I'm a, I'm obviously a homer. I think it's that's probably been well established so far. But 
I just think they have way more talent than Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a pr- they're a pretty good team, and don't get me wrong, and they have a lot of talent. They got um, the Will Fuller, who might be the best wide receiver Ohio State's played this year, um, with the exception of maybe Carew at Maryland. Um, a pretty decent offensive line. I just don't think they have. I don't. I just don't think they're deep enough to stop Ohio State. I, I'd personally take Ohio State. I think JT Barrett's going to look at this as sort of his opportunity to sort of send a message that Ohio State's not going to be – I mean, they're going to have a lot of guys go to the NFL, but they're not going to uh, disappear next year. And I think the matchup to watch is probably Joey Bosa versus Ronnie Stanley, the uh, tackle at Notre Dame. It'll be interesting because uh, Ohio State's going to be missing Tommy Shutt and Adolphus Washington, so – Bosa might be playing a little bit inside um, more than we've seen him, but in in terms of pound for pound and overall talent, I think just Ohio State's probably a level higher than Notre Dame can handle. It's just my feeling with it. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm beating a dead horse all night on this show, but I still go back to who's motivated. Okay, you got two teams that were with in you know three points each of. The, the playoff. I mean, Notre Dame beat Stanford during the playoff. I think that that, that well, that's up to debate. That that would have been talk about another great debate. Oklahoma eleven and one or Notre Dame eleven and one. I mean, I don't know. I think Notre Dame probably would have got that spot, but whatever. Um, and then Ohio State, you know, obviously they lose by three points. You know, granted, they would have had another game to win against Iowa, but I think they would have beat, beaten, beaten the Hawkeyes. So you're talking about two teams that have fan bases that, okay, we, ex- you know, halfway through the season, we expected or hoped that these teams would be playing with a lot more on the line. So then that fan base excitement trickles down to the program. It's kind of, you know, human nature, you know. Like I said, you know, there is not a lot of buzz about this game at all which is, you know, interesting for a game matching Ohio State versus Notre Dame. I, I remember in 2005 for the 2006 Fiesta Bowl, man, that game, that was 9-2. and two, that was, Those were two 9-2 and two, uh, teams, and that game had a lot of buzz, just a lot of hype. People were excited about it. Um, the dynamic of that Ohio State team was a lot different than this one. That that 2005 team had the likes of uh, – Laura Ninas was a true freshman. Ted Ginn, I think, was a sophomore. Or no, yeah, Laura Ninas was, was a sophomore because remember he had to come in in that 04 Michigan game against. Uh, he was when either a, Carpenter he was got a, hurt. Yeah, but he, I think he might, he might have been a redshirt freshman, or either he was a freshman or a sophomore. Then no, he burned, yeah, he burned he, his redshirt against Michigan in 04. He was a true sophomore in 05. Okay, so then you had, you had Troy Smith as a, as a junior. Antonio Pittman. I mean, that team was loaded. But Ted I think, and Gonzalez. Right. Holmes. So I think that team was, they almost used that Fiesta Bowl as like, okay, this was a, a great springboard Getting in 2006. And they yep. were preseason number one. And, you know, they almost they almost won it. Of course, we all know what happened against Florida. Okay, so now you got this Ohio State team. This is a lot different. All this these is a guys, team that's a lot of guys getting ready to leave. Well, not only are they ready to leave but you know what you talk about the hunger and, and, and all these guys already have their ring they, they got their ring so like they're not leaving disappointed they know their legacy is intact you know, you know who no one's ever going to forget 
that 2014 team. I mean, so now you got guys like Cardinal Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you know, Bosa, they're going to be gone. Then you got guys like Von Bell, Tyvis Powell, Darren Lee. You know, all these guys are considering going. And then you also got the seniors, three or four seniors that are going to be really high draft picks. So you can't, you know, you kind of got about 10 marquee players on this team that are thinking about the NFL. Okay, so they don't want to get hurt, obviously. But I think that goes out the window once the balls kick off. I mean, that, that's something yeah. I think that's a little that's a little overrated. My thing is, I think, there's a, I think there's a ton of pride there. You look, the seniors are exactly. going for their fiftieth win, which is an insane number. Yeah. Right. I think. That, I think. I think the their legacies are intact, but yeah, I think I think the motivation. I thought at first maybe it would be leaning towards Notre Dame, but I do think that Urban is the he is a master. He's a better. He's a he's in a better situation. When, when his team has their back against a wall, like like in the playoff last year, and then after losing to Michigan State, and you know everybody kind of counted them out. Travis, I'm sure you didn't, but I mean, yeah. I, I think everybody counted them out going up to Ann Arbor, and boy, they just laid laid the wood to them. But I think going back to what you were saying, I think that there's so much pride on the line. I think there's so much pride in these players, like Ezekiel Elliott and Bosa, and and and. Uh, Decker and all these other guys. I, I, I think they're they're more talented, like you said, Travis, but I also think that there's motivation to we want to go out on a high note. We don't want to we don't want to, you know, everybody think that, oh, we were just thinking about the NFL. I think there's going to be a lot that they want to play for, and I, I think they do want to win this game pretty bad. I'm, I, I think Ohio State wins this game by about 10 points, 14 points. Here's one for you. Do you think this is the most uh, talented bowl game. I, I don't of, think it's in, in terms of between com- combined talent between both teams. I don't even think it's that close. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you know, Kaiser was a really highly touted quarterback coming out of uh, Notre Dame's got Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith is going to be a first round pick. Yeah, Fuller should be a pretty high pick. Fuller should be a pretty high pick. Um, Stanley's going to be probably a top ten, top twelve pick. He'll probably be yeah. the second tackle off the board after. Uh, Laramie Tunsil from Ole Miss. Are we talking about NFL talent or just like? Yeah, you know, I just mean overall talent on the field. I gotta think this is right up there in terms of yeah. guys that you're gonna see playing probably get get drafted pretty high and be playing on well, Sundays I mean, for quite a while. You know, everybody keeps saying Ohio State's got a chance to break the all-time record, which I think is seven or six first-round picks by Miami in '03. I think it was six or seven. It might have been. It might have been. I don't. I can't remember. It was a lot, but. There's a chance you could have six or seven first round picks for the Buckeyes. I think I, I think that's probably not going to happen. I don't think no. it's going to happen either. I think I think Decker will be a first round pick. I think Zeke will be a first round pick, and obviously Bosa. I think you're looking maybe in that three to five range. I think Darren Lee might sneak into the first round, but uh, you know, no, there's no question. There's tons of talent on this team. Who do you guys like in the the quarterback matchup? I mean, Barrett hasn't set the world on fire this year with his throwing. And I'm wondering, do you think they're going to put more of a emphasis on trying to fix this passing game? And I, think passing game... I think it'll probably, they've had um, over a month now, I think to get it back where they want it to be. So I expect them to look a little more like they looked last year. And I expect have, them to spread it around a bit more. They're going to have much better weather conditions playing yeah. in Arizona. And, and if sure. for some reason it's not a nice day there, they can always close the roof. So right. I, I think that, 
uh, games towards the end of the year where Ohio State, especially against Michigan State, that was played in such bad weather. I think that really impacted yeah. their play calling. There. But I, I tell yeah, you I, what, if, if, if they run the ball like they did against Michigan, why why throw more than 10, 15 times in that game? I mean, yeah, they. I mean, it, that game they didn't need to throw. That was a clinic. That was an absolute clinic they put on there. And, you know, the, the one guy, I'm really, like you said, I'm really interested to see how Bose is going to play. But I'm really interested to see how Zeke's going to end, end his career. I mean, that guy, that guy was amazing at the end of the last year. He was great in the Michigan game. You know, going back to that Michigan State game, I, to me, I don't. There's two games in recent memory that I, I just I can't figure out. That 06 game against Florida, um, that was the one. Well, that was such a strange game. Just the inept offense they put on there. I don't that know what Michigan, game you're talking about. <laughs> and that Michigan State game, it almost looked like the fix was in. It just looked like they had no clue what to do on offense. It looked like they were just they just didn't know in what to do. In a game where, where, where everything about the situation told you to do what you do well and do it a lot, they decided to get like cute and try yeah. other stuff. Yeah, so it, I'm wondering if, you know, obviously – you know, when Urban said he was going to get more involved in the game plan and just we saw what happened against Michigan and they just said, you know, stop us. Good luck. And and that was a motivated, that was a great performance. I mean, just that was a kind of an old school kind of game, just pounding the ball, pounding the ball. And, you know, I, you know, everybody wants to see flash and everyone wants to see, you know, throwing, you know, throwing bombs in, in these ball games and putting on a show, but, I'm wondering if we're going to see much of what we saw against Michigan just because they looked really cohesive and they looked determined and strong. And, and like I said, if if you can run the ball for 350 yards, you don't need to throw 30 or 35 times in this game, right? Right, and I think they definitely have. I think the opportunity will definitely beat her to run the ball. Um, and even, even if it's not purely Zeke, they've shown that, hey, Barrett's able to do a lot of that. So I think you'll see a ton of that option where they – yeah, they probably do go for a pretty big number rushing and maybe throw for 200 or so. But I don't expect them to have much trouble moving the ball. Um, yeah. Side note, right now, how much potential does that Ohio State-Oklahoma game next year have? Yeah. That could Ooh, be an incredible non-conference game. Now, One of the that biggest games we've seen that, in a long time. That's in Norman, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, second game of the year. You going, Travis? Uh, me and a couple of my friends have been talking about it. it. We went to we went to Texas in 06. We rented a van and drove from Columbus down to, <laughs> t- to Austin for that game, and that was a blast. Of, cor- of course, of course you did. Of course you did. You saw that Musburger was... uh, roaming around down there, didn't you, Trev? Yeah, we did. He looked like he was already dead. I tell <laughs> you what, that pop? guy in person, that guy in person, he had like a powder blue leisure suit on, and he stepped out of this limo, and he probably had a good – 15 pounds of makeup on his face and he looked phenomenal. he looked like he looked like he was already in the casket it was something else P- poto you know he's doing the rose bowl this year right no oh yes oh my how did he get that gig they uh they couldn't put the number one crew on the rose bowl because they're doing the uh playoff semifinal <laughs> on new year's eve so uh, they had to dial up brent <laughs> i i remember the last rose bowl he did he <laughs> His intro was, I'm Kirk Herbstreet. 
and he's Brent Musburger. I'm like, oh, Brent. Oh, no. <laughs> God, God love Brent Musburger. That, that's going to be uh, – you know, I don't get the SEC network. I have U-verse, and it's really one of my uh, – it's, it's, it's one of the sad parts of my college football experience every fall, last two or three years. I can't remember. Did he get demoted two years ago? Or This is the second year. No, yeah. yeah, so I really haven't – I've probably seen one or two Musburger-called games, and I'm, I, just, I feel – now I'm even more excited for the Rose Bowl. I gotta tell you, that's that's gonna be phenomenal. <laughs> so hey, let me ask you guys this: on a scale of one to ten, uh, how do you feel about your excitement level for these games, these six games coming up? Um, I'm gonna call it about a seven, just because I'm I'm still pretty into it, and I'll definitely watch at least part of all of them. But mm-hmm. um, I'm not anywhere near where I was last year. No, not yeah. I'm probably about the same. I'm I'm still a solid nine for Ohio State just because it's the last game of the year, um, and uh, above all else, even even though the Cavs look like they're gonna be a force, and I, college football is my biggest thing. It's it's what I get the yeah. most up for. So the end of the season to me is just it's always kind of bittersweet, and I want to enjoy that last moment. In terms of um, the other five games, I'm probably a solid seven. I guess I don't, yeah, I'm about, I don't, I'm about I don't really care who wins any of them, which is weird. Um, I'll watch them and I'll be interested and I'll probably pick a team to root for. And I, I probably want Oklahoma and Michigan state. And I probably root for Oklahoma specifically um, for whatever reason. I don't know why, um, but I'm not going to be, I'm not to the point where I'll get upset if one of those teams doesn't win. Yeah. I'm about a seven and a half. I, I do think they've got a, problem with these other games like these the peach bowl the sugar bowl yeah but you know they had that last year like tcu old miss that looked decent on paper but that was a man that was a a disaster and um yeah and who knows maybe one of them turns out to be like that baylor michigan state that game was wasn't it i didn't really have much interest in it. it turned out to be a hell of a game what Michigan about State that, made uh, some furious comeback and ended up winning. That was a great game. That Baylor Michigan. Yeah. Well, didn't didn't Georgia play Georgia Tech play like Mississippi State? It was just that was like the Orange Bowl or something. It was just uh, you know the problem they, these tie these these agreements with like it has tie-ins create pretty yeah, it, lame. What the sh- I mean, when, they, when I remember when they made an announcement like three years ago when they said the sugar it was always going to be. Big 12 runner-up versus SEC runner-up or, you know, if neither team, you know, it was always going to be, it, it was kind of funny. They said, well, this game will be the big, the, the, the pack, uh, the big 12 champ versus the SEC champ, unless they're both in the playoffs, which it's going to happen nine times out of 10. You're going to get right. the so-called quote unquote runner-up from each conference. Well, yeah, you know, I guess you could call it that, but you know, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State got that nod, I think, because they beat TCU head to head. But I think I would rather see TCU in that game. And like you said, Travis, about the strength of the SEC. I mean, it'd be nice. I would be nice to see like Leonard Fournette and LSU in there if they hadn't, you know, gone south, fallen apart after Bama. Oh my gosh! And Florida just looked awful, you know, toward the end of the year. And so. I think they got to, if they could figure out a way, I wish they could just say, here, we're just going to get the best teams and we're going to put them in these games. But of course, that's not always, that's not always the way it works because we all know about 
you know, fan bases and getting selling tickets and, you know, if you had Sugar Bowl of, you know, I don't know, what whoever, just Stanford versus, you know, whatever, Florida State or something, you know, it's you wouldn't sell many tickets. And that's really the bottom line with these games well, when it's on, not yeah, that, the playoff. On the bright side, the... we are getting five versus six and seven versus eight. Yeah, right. So, so I mean, I guess there's a trade off, you know what I mean? So I guess you can't have these games like that. I mean, ideally, that's what they said they were going to do when they created this. We're going to have the top four teams play each other. But then after that, you're going to have, you know, five versus whoever, seven. and you know. But then, you know, when you look at the way it trickled down, you got Oklahoma State 16 versus Old Miss, whatever, 13. You know, that sounds like the Outback Bowl or whatever you want to call it. It's not exactly a, a top-tier game. So uh, that's just sure kind of the way felt the need to include, like, I thought that when they had the BCS the way it was with those rotating four, I'm not sure why they felt the need to add, um, like the Sugar Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. Why didn't you just so, keep so it the, four? Yeah, I mean, or well, the Peach, and, sorry, well, the Peach Bowl, I mean, the, the, the Peach, the Peach was the one that was really included, that was not really quote unquote part of the part of the group. I mean, historically, when you, Cotton historically wasn't in there either. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, the I Cotton mean, Bowl were, had like a. a but it had, yeah, it had but history. But. It was outside guys, the BCS. You guys aren't really old enough to remember this, but the Cotton Bowl was like, that was a marquee game in the 50s and 60s and 70s and really into the, the 80s and, and it, maybe even the early part of the 90s. And then it kind of teetered off, started, you know, probably about the mid-90s. It really kind of... Well, when the BCS started. Well, you know, the problem with the Cotton Bowl is that the Cotton Bowl facility itself is kind of dog you know what it's not the greatest facility now when jerry took that over that changed everything i mean that's 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 a whole new ball game so i mean what sort of world are we in where next year the peach bowl is going to host one of the playoff games i know give me a break don't complain travis if ohio state's in there and you can drive to that game no problem man one day it's on goddamn new year's eve again (laughs) oh boy so what so if yeah. Ohio State's playing in the in a, a, a national semifinal, you're going to complain that they're playing on New Year's Eve. What, I can't what go more to will you, have to Are you do? kidding me? What what more will you be I'll doing? I'll still be excited and I'll still watch it, but we can all agree that the Peach Bowl does not deserve that designation, correct? Well, the problem is they got to get six spots. They got to get six locations. Atlanta's, you know, this might sound stupid, but Atlanta is now the home of the College Football Hall of Fame. They want that. They want to build that thing up. They want to get. They want to make that a like a, a place where people go. And not only do you go to that game, but you also go visit the College Football. I have you any? Did any of you go to the College Football Hall of Fame when it was the South Bend? Haven't. No. I've not. That, that is a great Hall of Fame. But my point is, so they kind of want to make that like a package deal. And if it's anything like it was in South Bend, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal facility. Don't forget, so, the uh, uh, the Falcons are building a new stadium as well. So the game, the Peach Bowl game, go. is going to move into that uh, new stadium here. And I think, if not next year, I think it's the year after. I mean, so let's go over this real quick. So you got the rose, the orange, the cotton, the sugar. Peach, okay, sugar, so fiesta. Well, what I'm saying, okay, so, okay, so wait. So you got you need six venues. You mm-hmm. got Arizona, L.A., 
uh, Miami, uh, Phoenix. I kept I'm, I'm Dallas, New Orleans. So, so my so you got those five locations. If it's not Atlanta, who else would you rather have it be, or what city would would you rather have it at? Indianapolis. I mean, Play a game in the North for once. Yeah, just that, once. That, I want to see Alabama cross the Mason Dixon. That's line. not a bad idea, but the problem is, you and I are not like them. Meaning the people who are in charge of bowls, they want to make this. If Detroit can get a Super Bowl, why can't a playoff game be in the Midwest? That's unbelievable. They had, had a Super Bowl twice there. Yeah. But I'm saying, okay, so you're looking at sort of nice weather location. I'm not sure who the sixth spot would be. I mean, I mean they always yeah, want... I mean, Atlanta makes sense. Atlanta makes sense. It's it does a big make market. sense. There's really the no South, one else. They have an indoor stadium. It makes unless sense. You go to, kind of a... Unless you go to Midwest, like you said, I don't know what else is left. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they want all the semifinals tied to the bowl games that are already existing. So they wanted games that had some sort of cachet. And right. for the Cotton Bowl, that was pretty have easy. That. Yeah. Where you would have a chance to get yeah, a game. Yeah, they're the championship games for those. Where you'd have a chance to get a game in the North would be for the national championship because those are not tied to bowl games. Um, right. This year. I think, yeah, I think there's a day, Travis, you'll have a national championship game in Indianapolis. Yeah, I, I mean, not I the next year. I think. Then. Next year's just in. I think next year's in Tampa, and the year after that is in Atlanta. So Atlanta yeah, gets it. I've got them. I've got them up here. Game every year. So this year it's in Glendale. Tampa. Yeah. Next Wait, what, year what, it's going to be at Tampa the at the Buccaneers, Buccaneers Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Is that going to be Ray, Raymond James? Wow. Yeah. Two years from now, the the two years from now it'll be Atlanta, and then the following year after that it's going to be at the Forty Nine ers Stadium in Santa Clara. Oh, the Field yeah. of Jeans. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Bad That's amazing. That That's a great nickname. And that That's is a hundred times better than jeans. Chris Berman's uh, The Big Bell Bottom. So, The Field of yeah, Jeans, I love that. They, they, they're enamored with San Francisco, but people, man, that weather there. and They better get that damn seen, field in shape by then. I was going to say, have you seen that field? It's, some of the, it's, it's atrocious. Man, but, you know, probably because of the weather over there. Well, yeah, and the Super Bowl's there this year, I think. You know what? The problem with – if you've ever been to San Diego, San Diego is so beautiful. And the problem is, though, now they're losing the – San Diego is losing the Chargers. Qualcomm is not a great facility, I've heard. So to, to, I think that would be a, a deal place. Now, think about that. Okay, so the Holly Bowl probably has a little more historical relevance than the Peach Bowl. Holly Bowl has been, you know – some great games there. I wonder if they were in the running. I, but again, I don't know. Like you said, they're creating a new facility for the Falcons to get the College Football Hall of Fame there. It seems like a natural fit for them. So we'll see how it plays yeah. out. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll we we are past an hour and 20 minutes. We are um, running uh, well into overtime here. Uh, we should probably get out of here, wrap this thing up. Um, for the record, just to put a bow on it, I – I'm going to go ahead and say Ohio State beats Notre Dame and covers the six-and-a-half-point spread. And when we're doing this podcast 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, how the hell did that Ohio State team not even get into the playoff, let alone yep. repeat as national champs? Yep. Yep. So um, any other parting shots from you guys? Well, um, I'll it, just it, say it, Oklahoma or Michigan State in the championship game. 
since you know we didn't necessarily cover that game. And Tivo, you know, you talked about uh, how we're going to look back at this 2015 team and wondering how they win a championship. You know, the great Lou Holtz once said, "You don't have to be the number one team in the country; you just got to be the number one team in the stadium." And and they got no one to blame on themselves when you really look at that. The way they performed against Michigan State—that's that's a game that is going to live with them for a long time. But you know, like I said, with their legacy, it's not like they leave empty-handed. They got a national championship. That's the weird thing about kids between age, ages of 18 and 22, 23 years old. You just don't know how they're going to react. I mean, you know, they're 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 young adults, and they all have bad days. And you know, you hate to hear that. You don't want to hear that in in sports, but you know, you kind of forget that these kids really are young young men, and, and it's, it's it's hard. It's hard. It, it just this is a perfect example of how hard it is to repeat, and that's why teams like '94, '95, Nebraska. You talk about all time greats. You know, you know some of those other teams that repeated. Just how hard it is. It's 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 O two Miami. It's really oh yeah. It's another that team may have more example. talent than anybody that's ever been on the field. Yep, it's just so stinking hard to repeat. So, but nope. they go twelve if they're twelve and or eleven. What twelve and one? Hell of a season. Twelve and so one. We'll see. Yeah. Yep. yep. All right, Poto. Before that's we it. let you go, anything you want to plug to our uh, dozens and dozens of listeners? <laughs> well, I do. I do write our weekly college football uh, column. It, at, you know, in the News Herald, I call it after the tailgate. So I'll have one more this season to kind of wrap up the season. I always throw in my my preseason number or my preseason top ten. Kind of look ahead to, to 2016, and then uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm, I'm at at mpoto. So that's it. Beautiful, excellent. Well, hey man, this was uh, this is a good time. Um, really appreciate you joining us, and uh, no problem. Enjoy the bowl games. Absolutely. All Thanks, right. guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. Excellent. All right. Hey, listen, everybody, if you're still with us, a reminder, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher and uh, any other uh, podcast app you might like for your phone. And uh, if you're listening on your computer, you can always check out any of our previous episodes at our new online home, thenailpodcast.com. For Travis Uli and our special guest, Mark Podolsky, I'm Tom Valentino. Thanks for joining us, and we will be back next week. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.